Thank you for leading us in such a great time of worship this morning, Stephen, and worship team. And I'm excited to share from you from Daniel chapter 12 today. I'm a little bit sad because next time I'm with you, I won't say open your Bible to the book of Daniel. This is the end of our series today, and it's, I want to say that it has been incredibly enriching to me to uh, dive in these passages with you and to ask God to inspire our hearts uh, from this ancient prophecy. And at the end of the service, we'll be telling you a little bit about the next uh, sermon series we're having. But today, uh, we're talking about, really, the theme of the last part of the book of Daniel has been the end, the end times. And it has uh, some very relevant prophecies for us. Some of them are clearer than others, uh, as we've noted. And, of course, for the Christian, uh, our hope is not in the here and now. This, thank the Lord, is not all there is to it. There is an end that is our hope, and oftentimes we must uh, adjust our expectations until the end time. I remember speaking with a gentleman who has gone to be with the Lord now, but he was a retired pastor, a snowbird. Uh, Pastor Roy Christensen, and we would talk uh, during the winter breaks uh, for the last several years and he was here, and he redeveloped a um, very serious form of cancer, and he, he uh, got himself checked to hear and kn- know that he, he knew that he may not be returning to Central Florida. He's from New York, and the Sunday before he left, I, the last time I ever saw him, I remember saying, Pastor Roy, you know, I really ap- admire and appreciate your faith and the way that you're uh, carrying yourself in these days, and he said, he said, brother, it's good to see you. He said, I will see you here again next winter, or I'll see you up there. And uh, as belie- and of course, it was a sobering moment because I didn't get to see him again, but there is something we have as our Christian hope that until then, until we get there, until we're surrounded by the glory that we just sang of, there is great hope for us in this life. And as Daniel continues his conversation uh, or listening to this vision from the angel, he's now beginning to process some of it. And he has some great admonitions for us. We ended last week with the demise of the Antichrist at the end of chapter 11. We talked a little bit about the battle of Armageddon and how the return of Christ uh, conquers the Antichrist. It seems like there's a little more information about that devastating time in verse 1 of Daniel chapter 12, where we find these words. At that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, will arise. There will be a time of distress such as has not happened from the beginning of nations until the end. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be Deliver. Now, the, the title of this message is called Until Then. Until we reach our, our final destination, what are we to be thinking about? And the first principle found on your outline, number one, taken from verse one, is this Until then, be sure where you stand with God. Now, Michael, who is described here as the prince of your people, is known in the Bible as the archangel. Uh, Many feel that several angelic occurrences that are unnamed are really an appearance of this archangel. Michael's only named a few times in Scripture, but 
we, we see that he is protecting God's people during that period of great distress. And, the, and that's a reference to, of course, the seven-year end times period of tribulation. And then it's oftentimes in the book of Daniel when he said your people, it refers exclusively to the people of Israel. But it seems in verse 1 that it may be a broader use of that term and all who are believers in Christ. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book will be delivered. Now, there is a concept in the Bible about the book. Moses referred to it, Lord, do not blot my name from your book. And of course, we are, Christ referred to it when the, the disciples came back from a ministry venture, and they were, they were excited because they were able to cast out demons and see God do incredible things. And he said, rejoice in Luke chapter 10, verse 20, not that the demons submit to you, but that your names are written in heaven. And, and maybe the supreme use of this phrase the book is found at the end of the book of revelation in chapter 21 where it says that no one will enter the kingdom unless their name has been written in the lamb's book of life so whether there is a literal book that we know as a book or whether this is a figurative term for those who know christ we do know that the point is is that in order to enter into the kingdom of heaven, there must be a true registry, a true relationship with God. And until then, until we wait for that blessed hope, something that's vital for us as professing believers or maybe people that are still in the process of their own spiritual journey is that we must be sure where we stand with God. Is there some assurance on your own relationship with God. I remember uh, several years ago, our family was staying when we lived in South Texas at a friend's uh, beach condo. It was certainly not a place that we would stay if we did not have a friend that was nice. And I remember we stood in line and we got the key to the room and we enjoyed our several days there. And as I was checking out, there was a different person uh, at, the at the cash register, of course, than when I checked in, and there was someone in front of me, and the person at the behind the desk said, okay, thank you very much, sir, that'll be 1700 and something dollars, and I kind of gulped, and I was like, whoa, man, this place is expensive, and so I'm up next, and I'm turning, so I'm, I, we stayed in the Collins uh, room up there, and I'm returning my key, and he goes, okay, now who are you? I'm, I'm Cliff Lee, and he goes, okay, just one second, sir. Because I don't see your name here. I'm like, well, we got the key and everything. You know, I didn't just get back there and steal it. You know, you might check again. He goes, I'm sorry, I don't see your. And I'm getting nervous and going, if he thinks he's getting seventeen hundred dollars out of me, you know, I'm gonna fold towels for three weeks in the hotel here. I'm not. <clears throat> and he looked and looked and I feel like he maybe made a phone call or something. He goes, oh, okay, there you are. And I'm like. My name was written there, and it, and it should have been there. And, and the, the scripture tells us in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 10, to make your calling and election sure. In other words, we should have assurance about where we stand with God. Matter of fact, 
We're told in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, Paul said to the Corinthians, examine yourself to see if you are in the faith. Test yourselves. In other words, what basis do you have for believing that your name is written in the book of life? Sometimes in our denomination we emphasize people coming forward and praying a prayer and receiving the Lord. And of course, uh, that, that is, we feel, as a biblical thing to, for everyone to make a personal decision and commitment to follow Christ. But sometimes we trust in the experience. We trust in the fact that we were moved rather than trusting in the Lord. And, and the question is, is there evidence of your relationship with God? You know, that, that's, uh, if you're struggling with this issue, a great book for you to read is the book of 1 John that lays out many evidences of our relationship with God and our, our faith. And if we are in Christ, the book of John, 1 John, says that we'll be obeying Him. It says that we will be loving our brothers. It says that there will be a conviction of sin. And so it's not a matter of some experience we've had or the fact that we may have shaken a preacher's hand and, or wept hard at the end of a service or even went through the waters of baptism. And Do you know Christ in a personal way? And we don't believe in guilt and manipulation and all those things to pad the numbers for our church. But the issue is one day we're all going to stand before God. Is your name written in his book? Have you placed your faith not in your great spiritual performance, not in a moment, not in an emotion, but have you placed your faith in Christ alone? The great thing is that in this life we can have that assurance. We can know that we know that we know Christ. So until then, be sure of where you stand with God. A second principle we see in this passage is number two on your outline, and that's this, to be eager for God's reward. Now, it might sound a little strange because we're sometimes conditioned to not desire reward. And if we really want to be rewarded, then maybe we weren't sincere in our effort for something. Well, that's not the biblical thought because God motivates us scripturally by His reward. That's the end of the book of Revelation. It says the same thing in chapter 22, verse 12, that I am coming soon and my reward is with me. And in Jeremiah 17, 10, the Lord says, I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each man according to to his deeds. God is into rewarding his people. And the reward is ultimately himself, a, a deeper sense of knowing and adoring him. And we're to eagerly desire God's reward in that sense. But there's some specific reward mentioned in verse 2 and then in verse 3. In verse 2, it says this, "...multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake." some to everlasting life and others to shame and everlasting contempt. And so that first reward until then is A, the word resurrection. Now, the New Testament is filled with several references from Christ and the Apostle Paul to a, a resurrection of the dead. Of course, Christ is our model for that. He wasn't just resuscitated briefly to life. He was raised from the dead and lives forevermore. And we're told that there will be a resurrection of the righteous. This is a rare um, reference to a resurrection at the end of the age. 
We're told in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 that the dead in Christ will rise. And so this is a reference to the Old Testament saints. Some may ask, how are people saved in the Old Testament? Well, Paul says in, in the book of Romans chapter 4 that they were saved in the same way that you and I are, except they didn't know Christ. They were, you're saved by your faith in the one true God. And so those uh, saints through the years who have placed their faith in God and those since Christ has come who've come to know Christ in a personal way, there will be a resurrection of the body uh, at the end of the age. And of course, it, it also talks about the resurrection of the unjust. Others will be raised to shame and to everlasting contempt. And of course, this is likely a reference to the end. You have the tribulation, then you have the return of Christ. And we've talked about that millennial reign, that a thousand year period. At the end of the end of it all, is something that is found in Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 through 5, and it's described as the great white throne judgment. It's the final separation of the sheep from the goat that Christ referred to. It's, uh, some will be with Christ forevermore in the new heaven and the new earth, and some will be eternally separated from God in a place called hell. And that's the reference, others, to shame and to everlasting contempt and so it makes you want to be certain of verse one again about your name being in the book of life but the reward for believers is our bodies will be raised to life again and it'll we'll be given a new body and some are saying thank the lord a new body uh, in the resurrection in verse three it says this and it also talks about reward it says those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heaven and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. You know, in, in verse 3, it gives a second aspect of reward. The first one is resurrection, and the B is the word radiance. Two different places in verse 3, it mentions that there's a group of people in the end that are going to shine brightly like stars. And the first description of them are those who are wise. The word wise, it just means to think God's way and to act accordingly. And there is a special sense of a bright shining uh, radiance in the ever after for those who have acted with wisdom. And there's also a, a sense of a greater sense of brightness and radiance reward for those who, it says, lead many to righteousness. You know, that, that's a reference to people who are sharing their faith. I remember when I, I was hesitant to share my faith when I was growing up, and I remember one day there was this person who uh, wanted, who, who in Florida it's been interesting since I've been here teaching my boys to drive, we had to have something called driver's ed classes growing up, maybe y'all used to have them here, but it was uh, a really an awful thing to wish on any teenager, you had to watch films about, for hours straight about wrecks on uh, the uh, train tracks is pretty much what I remember from driver's ed. But you had to take little, you know, little tests about it. And I remember there was someone sitting behind me that was passing up answers to the test. And here you go. And I was like, um, no thanks, I don't need those or whatever. And so that, that person, it, it was a young lady. And after class, she said, why didn't you take that? And I said, well, I don't, I, you know, I just don't cheat. And so she wondered what on earth that was about. And she was going through some, a, a real depressing time and asked me one day, said, you know what, 
I was talking to a friend of mine that's an adult, and she said to me, I told him about this guy in my class that didn't cheat, and I figured that he is a Christian. And some friends of mine told me to ask you about what it means to become a Christian. It was that bizarre. Here was a guy who hasn't shared his faith. I didn't cheat on a test, and someone says, I would like to become a Christian. Could you tell me how to do it? Well, I stumbled through the gospel of Christ with this girl. It was probably one of the worst uh, witnessing efforts of all time. I was like, duh, but duh, but duh. <laughs> there was this guy named Jesus, and he was really good. And, uh, but it was interesting. I, I, got some, uh, I went, you know, got a friend, my, my Sunday school teacher who was a seminary student, went, and we sort of closed the deal together with this person. And then she began coming to our church. Some of you are going, is her name Susie? No, this is not like a love story or anything like that. But it was my first time to ever share my faith, and it was a, though it was awkward and though it was trembling for me, it was a great joy to tell another person about Jesus. And I believe sometimes we're so timid, we're so afraid of the opinions of other people that we're hesitant to share our faith. I was really encouraged to um, talk with the wife of our chairman of deacons. Uh, she wrote Susie yesterday, Marilyn, actually Marilyn's right there, and Joe kind of spotty is her husband, he's not here today, and she said, pray for Joe, pray for Joe, because he has gone up to New York to share with his sister who's dying, and through the years, he's shared with his sister many times, because Joe had a radical conversion several years ago, and his sister doesn't, uh, he's not sure that she knows the Lord, he shared with her again and again and again, and he got on a plane and flew up to be with her and shared the gospel with her. And I asked Marilyn, how did it go? He goes, well, so far, his niece has accepted the Lord. <laughs> and we're still waiting. And he went there for his sister, but the niece came to Jesus. And we're just praying that God would open the heart of his sister. Are you willing to get on a plane and share the good news of, of Jesus Christ with people? Are you willing to go across the street? Are you willing to be obedient to the opportunities that God gives you to share his amazing love? The Bible says that those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars, forever and ever. Now, in verse 4, this, it, it, there's something most interesting that the angel says to Daniel. It's sort of the end of the vision here, and he says, But you, Daniel, close up and seal the words of the scroll until the time of the end. Many will go here and there to increase knowledge. Now, we're, we're not completely sure all this means. I, when you had an ancient document, you usually sealed it up. You saved one, and you sealed up one for, uh, for safekeeping. They didn't have, you know, backup files on their computer, so they would seal one up and, and save it if it was an important document. And the angel seems not to be saying, save this because you won't need it. The, the point seems to be, that you will understand the words of this prophecy more in the future. And I wouldn't doubt that during the time of the tribulation, that those who are left here, those who are tribulation saints, those who come to know Christ during that seven-year period, if, if there's not going to be some outstanding Bible studies of the book of Daniel, <laughs> I mean, there are going to be some classes at some churches understanding be able to connect the dots better and better and it seems like he's saying that the God's timing his timetable will make things clearer and clearer to you now verses 5 through 7 brings in a, a couple of more characters and understanding what's going on is uh, interesting to get our minds around and so Daniel is now speaking he says then I Daniel looked and there before me stood two others 
one on this bank of the river and one on the opposite bank. Remember, he was just taking a little stroll by the river uh, Tigris. And in verse 6, he says, One of them said to the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the river, How long will it be before these astonishing things are fulfilled? The man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the river, lifted his right hand and his left hand toward the heaven. And I heard him swear by him who lives forever, saying, It will be for a time, times, and half a time. When the power of the holy people has been finally broken, all these things will be completed. Now, the principle, I believe, to unleaf from these verses, 4 through 7, about what we do until then is number 3 on your outline. That's this, to be patient with God's timing. It was almost as though there was an angel meeting going on as this one angel gives a revelation to Daniel, two other angels appear. And one angel says to the other, well, when are these things happening? We've just heard an incredible vision. What's going on here? How can we know more about it? And one angel dressed in linen. There has been some that have said that this second angel could be a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ. And I simply don't know what I think about that. I've thought about it and wondered. It's just not in the text, so I'm hesitant to read that into it. There's not enough clear evidence that that's the case, but I will say it could be. <laughs> How's that for you for certainty? But notice what he says. It will be for a time, times, and half a time. That's the same exact thing we heard way back in one of our earlier messages in this part of our study of Daniel, back in chapter 7, verse 25, you heard that reference. And the, the idea of time, times, and half a time seems to be one year, two year, and then half a year, which is put it all together, and that's three and a half years, which seems to be the midpoint of the tribulation when the Antichrist is in full bloom and there is a, uh, the beginning of havoc is taking place there. And so one angel listens to the prophecy and says, what's going on? When's the timing of all this? How's it all coming down? And the revelation given is it's going to be at the three and a half year point when, all, when the angel will protect us and when, all the, when the battle of Armageddon occurs, all these things begin falling in place. Now, if you're like me, your timing and God's timing often bump into each other. When's this going to happen? When's God going to answer this prayer? When's this going to come to be fulfilled? And and the prophecies of Scripture can really help us in our own personal life realizing that God has a timetable. And we must trust that He knows what He's doing and He is the one in control of time and His great sovereign, wise character can give us discernment as we patiently wait before Him. Now, Daniel in verse 8, does something that I believe that we should do as long as our spirit and attitude is right. In verse 8 it says, I heard, but I did not understand. You ever been like that before? (laughs) We're like that in our personal relationships. Someone says something, we don't quite get what they mean. I heard what you said, but I don't get what you're saying. And Daniel was like that spiritually. He said, I heard, but I didn't understand. So I asked, my Lord, what will be the outcome what will, what will the outcome of all this be? And he replied, likely this was the angel that just answered the other angel, the one in bright linen. 
Go your way, Daniel, because the words are closed up and sealed until the time of the end. Many will be purified, made spotless and refined, but the wicked will continue to be wicked. None of the wicked will understand, but those who are wise will understand. Basically, he's saying there's going to be a cleansing and people will get closer to God during these tribulations. The wicked will keep getting worse, but you focus on me. Go your own way. Uh, Keep doing what you're supposed to be doing. But the principle that I find encouraging from here that we must apply in our own lives until the end is number four on your outline, and that's this, be prayerful with questions. Do you ever get just tripped up by a question of life that it seems to just bring you down, and sometimes you're tempted just to throw everything away? But Daniel had a mind that didn't let things go. And maybe you're like that. When you have a question, you really are perplexed. And he went to the the Lord to an angel of the Lord in this instance, but for us it would be right to the Lord. And he says, Lord, I heard you, but I don't understand. Tell me more about this. How is all this going to work out? Uh, Under number four, humbly ask God for wisdom when struggling with doubt. You don't have to be too uh, uh, bashful to admit this morning that sometimes you struggle with doubt. There's a whole line of godly men and women through the years that have come through periods of doubt and confusion and perplexing questions of life that have come out on the other side with a great, vibrant faith. One of them I read about was a pastor from England, G. Campbell Morgan, who was a pastor of Westminster Chapel from the you know, late 1800s through much of the first part of the 20th century and was a great writer and Bible teacher there in the heart of the city of London. And when he, he began preaching as a teenager, and when he was about 19, he was reading the Bible, but he was also reading Charles Darwin. He was reading about many other scientists and skeptics in the faith, and he got confused. And, and he put away those skeptic and books that were doubting his faith, and he took the Bible and said, Lord, I'm not so sure about your word anymore, but I ask you to, re- you to reveal yourself to me. And the story goes on for, of him saying that as I did that, the Bible found me. God found me and gave me great assurance through his word about what actually was truth. And I like what Daniel does. Lord, I heard you but I don't understand, and maybe some of you are just like that this morning, that there's some perplexing question. Maybe it's not so much an intellectual question, but a why am I going through this question, and a Lord, I don't understand why this is happening type of question. Daniel is a great model for us to humbly go before the Lord, and and of course, we don't demand answers, and and sometimes God's uh, answers are, are going to be like we'll see in the next a uh, few verses, there, there's mystery to them. God did not promise to clear up every single mystery. Why? Because God's ways are so much higher than us. And there's going to be a breakdown of our ability to comprehend. Plus, we can't get around it. God keeps secrets. You know, sometimes it's rude to whisper someone and tell a secret to somebody and leave somebody out. Well, God told us he keeps secrets. In Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 29, it says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us. God reveals some things, and then he keeps secrets. That's simply the way that he works. Now, as the story goes on in verse 11, the angel's continuing to speak and says, From the time that the daily sacrifice is abolished and the abomination that causes desolation is set up, that traumatic event we've talked about with the Antichrist in the middle of the tribulation period, there will be 1,290 days. 
Blessed is the one who waits for and reaches the end of the 1335 days. As for you, go your way until the end. You will rest, and then at the end of the days you'll rise to receive your allotted inheritance. Now, if you're a real date numbersy person, something may have gone off in your head at that moment because we looked at other big numbers before in Daniel 7 and Daniel 9, about 1,260 days. And now this angel says this, there'll be 1,290 days. And then at the end it says there's going to be 1,335 days. And you're going, okay, all this is going to be cleared up by understanding. And the answer is, No one really knows why this angel added 45 extra days. There's been a few holy hunches and a few holy guesses, but do you know what? I think this is one of those times when we're not supposed to know, and that's the point. (laughs) That's the whole point, is there's some things we don't understand and won't. And so part of our our waiting before the Lord until then it involves principle number five about until then, and that's this, to be accepting of mystery. Lord, I don't understand the, the 1335 days. He never explained it to us, and it's not mentioned in other parts of Scripture to give us more clarity about what this timing might be. There's something's going to happen after the tribulation, about 45 days later after Christ has come back and the millennium is being set up, but it's not told, we're not told exactly what it is. Well, sometimes if there's something mysterious, we can't go on until it's already figured out. If there's something about God that we don't totally get, then life stops until everything is clear. And the angel has some great advice for Daniel, and it's great advice for us. And he says in verse 9 and in verse 13, go your way until the end. In other words, keep doing what you've been called to do. Keep obeying me. Keep praying. Keep fighting lions. Keep being obedient to me, and I will be with you. Go your own way. Focus on your responsibilities as my servant, as a follower of the living God. You know, this morning we've been talking about the end, and of course, the most important thing you can do in in preparation for the end is live for the Lord right now. As we consider what God has said to us from his word today, maybe the, the, the Spirit of God has been knocking on the door of your heart as we've talked about whether or not your name has been written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And we want to give you a chance to pray and to nail that decision down about knowing Christ in a personal way. And as we take a moment and bow and enter into a time of response, I'm going to pray for you. Maybe God has revealed something different to you rather than you you know you're a believer, but maybe your priorities have been so out of line. Maybe God has really laid someone specific on your heart that you need to share the amazing love of Christ with right now. Oh, living Lord, we humble ourselves before you and we ask as we enter into this time of response that you would draw people to your truth and make a name for yourself. Oh, Heavenly Father, we are thankful for you and ask that your name and renown would be our heart's desire. We pray you would use us to lead many to righteousness this week and the days ahead and that you would draw people to Jesus right now. It's in Christ's wonderful name we pray. Amen.